We're going to read from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. If you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to then 10, we're going to put it up on the screen. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. Amen. This is the last week of our Christmas series. Uh, we've been preaching through Christmas, and, and the, ser- the series that, that we've been preaching through is, has been titled Christmas Equals. What does Christmas equal? The first week we, we looked at Christmas equals peace, a peace that cannot be found in this world, but that comes from God. Second week, Pastor May looked at the idea of Christmas equaling hope, the hope of the promises of the promised one. Last week, we looked at the joy of Christmas, a joy that was beyond circumstance and situation. And tonight, we conclude by looking at This idea that Christmas equals love. My love language is not giving gifts. Anyone that's received a gift from me would know that. I'm not terribly good at giving gifts. I'm a very practical giver of gifts. Um, Last year, my leaders... um, for Christmas, we gave them sauces, tomato, barbecue, very practical. This year, we thought, well, what do we give Sunscreen, sunscreen, oh, genius. My idea once again, was it, was it my, I think it was, oh, it was your idea, okay, it was Mel's fault then. Um, I know that I'm not very good at giving gifts, uh, which is fine, because at least I know. But I reckon there's a bunch of you guys that you actually think you're good at giving gifts, but actually you're pretty poor as well. You just can't admit it, okay? At least I can admit it. At least I'm honest, right? Now, if you're honest, right, out of all the presents you received this year, if you're a big gift, you know, giver and receiver... uh, 80% of those presents, do you know, 80% of those presents will not make it to next Christmas? That's how good we are at giving and receiving gifts. 
And they say that there's two major reasons why we're actually very poor at giving gifts. Number one is because we give gifts not for what that person would like, but actually what we would like. Have you ever noticed that? You give a gift, like you see something, you go, wow, that would be awesome. I'd love that. And then you go, oh, yeah, then I can just give it to that person. And you just give it to them. You don't care if they need it. You don't care if they want it. You just go, oh, that's cool. I would want one of them. So I'm sure they would want one of them. So let's just give them that. So that's one of the reasons why. Uh, Secondly, I was reading an article. Um, A psychological study shows that uh, one of the common mistakes that uh, we make when we give gifts is that we try to give a gift that draws an immediate reaction, like the wow factor. Whereas, and that's really important for the giver of that gift, right? And, you know, if you think about it, sometimes we do that, right? A lot of times we do that. We want to give the gift that gets that response. My sons received a gift on <laughs> last few days ago. They received the new Pokemon Switch game. Let's go Pokemon, right? I kid you not, and I wish we had videotaped this, but my second son, Ben, nearly fainted. He literally nearly fainted. Like, he's, you could tell his blood pressure and, and everything was just going up. He was, I cannot believe, I cannot believe, you know, just, uh, it was the funniest thing to see, right? But uh, we, 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 we want to give gifts like that. But actually, from the receiving end of the gift, the study says that not many of us really care about that wow factor. Uh, we actually care more about the practicality of the gift. We think about, well, what does this gift mean in the future and, and, and things like that. That's why we're not very good at giving gifts. One of the passes I was into about, about giving gifts was something that we need to realize is that we put so much emphasis on these gifts, but really, as I said, 80% of these gifts are going to end up in landfill in the next 12 months, you know? We're not that good at giving gifts. And not many gifts are worth keeping around. But we know that Christmas is a celebration of gift giving. And the best gift giver is God himself. The Bible tells us this over and over again, that God is an amazing giver of gifts. And that Christmas is a time where we're reminded, not just of gift giving, but the greatest gift that God gave to us, and that was His Son, Jesus. Now, I want to go through this idea of of gifts and and, and how this relates with Christmas, and and, and we're going to end up with looking at, well, why is it that Christmas, Christmas doesn't equal gifts, but Christmas equals love. Why is Jesus the most amazing gift for mankind? Well, this is what it says in the Ephesians passage that we read. Let me, t- let me, let me go through verses 1 to 3. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature deserving of wrath. This is who we are. This is who we are. 
And I know this isn't to kill your self-esteem, but this is what the Bible tells us of who we are as humanity. Even though we walk and talk and we are physically alive and we're breathing, the Bible tells us actually we were dead in our sins. What does that mean? It means we were spiritually dead. Now, sometimes when we talk about spirituality or we talk about the spiritual realm, it gets a little bit funky, right? Sometimes we kind of start thinking about like the X-Files or like E.T., phone home kind of stuff, right? Like, and, and, and a lot of the time, we shy away from the conversation of the spiritual realm because we don't understand it. But can I tell you, just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Actually, the spiritual realm is more real than the physical realm that we live in. Before the physical realm existed, the the world that you and I exist in, before what we can see and feel, before that world even existed, we know from the Bible that there was a spiritual realm that existed. And out of that spiritual realm, a physical world was created. And one day, the physical world will cease to exist, but the spiritual realm will continue. And as I said, just because it's a little freaky and just because you don't understand it, it doesn't mean it's not real. The Bible tells us, uh, Ephesians 2 tells us that because of our sinfulness, we were spiritually dead, following the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Verse 3 describes what our lives looked like or may even look like now, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. What does it mean? Doing what feels good. Isn't that the world that we live in today? Do what you want to do. Be what you want to be. Yeah. (laughs) Some of you know that commercial. You know, that's the motto of the world that we live in right now. You know, why do we study? Why do we work? Why do we have family? Why do we travel? We do everything because that's what we want to do. That's what we feel like. Just do what, what, what um, satisfies your soul. We live like gods, like we're our own gods. We get to call the shots on our own lives. But the problem is, the result of this is that we challenge creator God and the result of that is that we deserve God's wrath which is death our reality is this our status quo meaning if nothing changed for us from the time we were born we would continue to be sinful because of our sinful nature and therefore deserve the wrath and punishment of God that's humanity That's who we were. That's who we are. Verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. This is why Jesus is the greatest gift to mankind. Because through Jesus, Jesus took spiritually dead people and made them alive. You know, one of the things that, one of the big misconceptions, and I'm sure I've said this a million times before, but Jesus, God did not give us Jesus to make bad people good. You don't come to church because you want to become a better person. We don't celebrate the birth of Jesus because 
because of that, everyone became better or more, uh, you know, more healthier or more giving. No, Jesus came to make dead people alive. There is not a gift that you will receive in your lifetime. There is not a gift that you will receive in your lifetime that you will be able to take with you beyond the grave. There is not a gift that you will ever be given that can change the course of eternity for you. And this is why Jesus, the gift of Jesus is so different to every other gift that we will ever receive. What's the consequence of the gift? Verse 6, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. This is what you will receive, life eternal. Verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. This is why Jesus is the greatest gift and this is why God is the greatest giver. But it's not just in this passage. We we see it throughout the Gospels. We see this throughout the Scriptures. Romans 6.23. Let me just give you a few more verses that summarize this. For the wages of sin is death. See, that's what we deserve. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 John 5.11. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. See, this is what we call the gospel. This is the message of the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. This is the foundation of what we believe as as disciples of Jesus, that through God's greatest gift, His one and only Son, whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have, have eternal life. What's the gift? Jesus. Who's the giver? God. Why is it so important? Because it changes our eternity. It changes our spirituality. It changes It changes what happens to us after death and the way we live our lives today. But I want us to go one more step. I want us to go one more step tonight because a lot of this you would have heard before and a lot of this you would have even received and accepted. But I want us to go half a step more and ask the question, why God? Why? Why did God give us this gift? And I know the majority of us would know the answer to this. But I hope that as you hear it today once again, that you would be reminded of why God has given us His Son. John 3.16, For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not, should not perish but have eternal life. Ephesians 2, 4, we just read this, but because of His great love, His great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. 
Romans 5 8, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why did God give humanity the gift of his son, Jesus? And it's because he loves us. He loves us. Tonight, I want us to remind ourselves not just of what the gift is, not just of who the giver is, not just what the the end result of receiving this gift is, but the question of why. It's all because of love. One of the hardest things about preaching this type of message, especially uh, to people that have been going to church a lot, is we all know that answer. For God so loved the world. Oh, yeah, God so loved me. You know, Jesus loves me, this I know. We all can recite this. But how much of that is internalized in our hearts and our souls that it would transfer in the way that we live our lives? And I want tonight to just be another reminder of that because there is no other greater fact that God wants us to know about Him is that He loves you. He loves you so much. You know, if you really think about it, we really didn't deserve the gift, right? If you really think about it, right? Now, I don't know about you. Uh, I know the Bible tells me that you are sinful. Okay, if I get to know you more, I'll probably conclude the same conclusion, that you are sinful. Okay, you get to know me, you're going to get to know that very, very good at being sinful. It's like extra levels of sinfulness in my life. We really did not deserve, you know, like when you have kids, right? We always say this to our kids, it's really bad, but it's like, be good or you're not going to get any Christmas presents this year. You know, like the whole Christmas, you know, um, the, the whole Santa, uh, Santa's going to bring gifts to children who are uh, nice and, and, and you're not going to get any gifts if you're naughty. You know, it's this whole merit-based blessing. Problem is, from God's perspective, no one here is nice. We really aren't that good. We, we're, we're actually very sinful. We're, we're very, very good at rejecting God. We're very good at rebelling God against God. We're very good at being our own gods, calling the shots in our own lives, doing what we feel like, doing what we want to do. You know, there, there's really nothing inside of us that would have impressed God for God to go, hey, well, you know, that's, that's not bad. Well, he's not that bad. Hey, let me gift that person with my son, Jesus. There's nothing good inside of us. And this isn't to kill your self-esteem. This is just who humanity is. Yet, yet God gave to us his son. You know, we need to understand God gave to us something we didn't deserve. God gave us something that we could never earn on our own. God gave us something more than than what we could ever want. He gave us something that we needed. And the crazy reason why he did this is, is because he loves us. Because he loves you. 
He loves you so much. Think about it. He loves you so much. He gave, he didn't give out of his excess. You know, we do that. We think generosity is giving out of our excess. We have some extra money, so we buy some extra gifts, you know. But God did not love us in that way. God loved us in a way that, that he didn't give us out of his excess. He, he gave us his one and only son. You think about that for a moment. That's crazy. He only had one son. Now, I've got four kids. I, I, it's a new thing that I have to keep reminding myself that I have four children now. I know. Thanks, Jen. She puts up four, just in case. Just How I know I have four kids is that whenever we want to now move as a family, we need to drive two cars. Because Honda Australia has not come to me, come back to me with a CRV with a seven-seater. I'm just saying. Honda, Toyota, Mazda, I'll take any of you guys. Even though I have four children, there is no way, there is not enough love that I have for any single one of you that I would even give one of my children. And I have four. It's like, well, you know, just make another one. You know, it doesn't work like that, you know, like... There's no way. Ah, oh, this, this little bubs, he's only two weeks old. He, he's just growing on me. Because he just looks like me. I'm just like, this good looking kid. You know, like, when you become a parent, you, there's this new, deep love that just appears. And there's also this new, deep anger and wrath that also appears as well. Anyone that would, you know, like I'm driving and someone beeps me. I'm like, how dare you beep? My, my two-week-old child is in the car. I'm going to get out my gun. I'm just, I don't have a gun. I'm going to call my friend. He's a police officer. He'll take care of you. But God gave up his one and only son. And he gave him up knowing that, that Jesus would one day grow up and die on the cross. And it's not even that everyone would rejoice to receive the gift. God did this even knowing that so many people would still reject him. And yet he did it. And it's crazy, and it's illogical, it's irrational, it doesn't make sense, but that's the love of God. You see, I have four children, youngest being two weeks old. You know, all this kid does is he eats, he sleeps, he cries, he pees, and he poos. Does no housework. He does not input into our family chores. He does not bring in an income. I have to feed him, I have to change him, I have to give up my sleep for him. I did some research, and this one child will cost me on average $300,000 until he is like 18 years old, $300,000. I have four. 
it's going to cost me $1.2 million. That's a lot of money, right? You think about it, right? $1.2 million. That's why I'm so grateful to you as a church that support me and pay the salaries of our pastors. But as I said, what's crazy is this kid cost me so much, but I can't get him out of my mind. When I'm with him, I'm looking at him, go, wow, this is interesting. You know, it's like this little toy, you know, like if I push him like this or if I move his face around and he smiles. You know, he, he does those involuntary smiles. He doesn't even know. He can't control his face yet. You know, like he's like just like there and, you know, just, he just smiles. As you don't even know why he smiles. Sometimes when they fart, they smile. So that's a bit of a clue to new parents. Like they smile and you're like, oh, that's so cute. You know, what's that smell, you know? It's just cute, right? And sometimes they cry, and there's this cry, and parents would know this, right? There's this cry where they stop breathing. They're like, ah! And, and the longer that breath, the longer that silence goes for, you know it's going to be a loud one, right? And you know what's fun? You just wait for it. You just go, see how loud this one's going to be. It just fascinates me, you know? You know, I'm, I'm going to love this kid and, and I'm going to serve this kid. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cough up the 300000 to put this kid through some decent education and, you know, buy him gifts at Christmas time and everything. And it's not because of what I can get out of him. He is not my retirement plan. He is not my business investment. It's because he's my son. And it's because I love him. And that's it. Most parents in this world, that's as simple as it gets. They go through hell and back. Being, you know, pregnant, having the baby, raising the baby. I have friends that have teenagers now. Oh, I do not, I do not long for those days. But why do you go through all that? Because you love them. Why would God, why would God send his one and only son, Jesus, because he loves you. Matthew 7 says this, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? And if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? See, the crazy thing is, right, the way, the way that I love my children and how far I'm willing to go for my children is still nothing compared to how much God loves us. God loves you. And this is why Christmas, as much as it's about the holidays and the gifts and the presents and, you know, and, and, and church service and, and, and family, it's, it's, it's all about that and that's fine. But that's all secondary. Because the foundation of Christmas is actually love. The love that God has for you. And sometimes we, we don't understand it. Sometimes we don't understand. And, and you know, I, I've had moments in my life where I, I look at myself in the mirror and I, and I reflect on my life and I think, wow, like I'm so good at sinning. I'm so good at like, you know, rejecting God over and over again. And, and, and why would God love me? Why would God love me? 
And there is this mystery. And I don't think we'll fully comprehend it. Why God and how much God loves us. But the Bible tells us that His love is multi-layered. It's complicated. It's mysterious. It's wide and long and high and deep. And I hope that this Christmas, that you would be able to experience once again this idea that God loves you. And I pray that, that tonight you wouldn't just go, God loves me, I know that head, input knowledge. But I actually hope that this Christmas, through whatever you do, that you'd be able to not just be reminded, but that you'd be able to experience God's love for you. As we celebrate Christmas this year, take some time to remember what Christmas is all about. It's not about the holidays, the gifts, the meals. Actually, it's about peace and joy and hope and love. I pray that you would never forget that the gift of Jesus gives us salvation. And it's given to us because of God's everlasting love for us. I pray that you would feel love tonight. That you would experience God's love tonight. Let's pray.